Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church family. My name is Barrett Bowden. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so thankful to welcome you in this fall season of our church life uh, to continue our series this morning, Brokenness and Hope. I made a joke last week that this series was not about uh, football, but then after Tennessee's loss yesterday, and the fact that I'm a Georgia fan and not really a fan of Tennessee, I thought I'd make another joke. This is not about University of Tennessee football uh, when we're talking about brokenness and hope. Um, This is about something much more serious, Um, obviously. We're talking in this season uh, about the book of Lamentations. And so if you've got your Bible, I would encourage you to get it open to the Old Testament. For some of you, you might have to work a little bit to find the book of Lamentations. Don't worry. Totally fine if you need to use your index. It comes right after the book of Jeremiah, which is a little bit easier to find. And so if you find Jeremiah, right after that is a small little book of Lamentations that many of us probably have never studied before. And in this season, we are taking time as a church family to journey through um, this book, but also just to journey with God in honesty and in sincerity in places of suffering and pain and hardship in our lives, past, present, and for some of us, probably all of us, preparation uh, for the future. Um, We as a church family uh, this year are talking about and really focusing on what it looks like to really foster a merciful and missional presence here in our city of Memphis and how to do that one neighbor at a time. And even just in this season of Memphis, um, we can sense brokenness around us. We can sense it circumstantially. We can sense it in our city. And we can see the goodness of learning how to walk with God in broken situations and in broken places, like even just living here in Memphis in this season. There is purpose to studying what it looks like to walk with God in suffering, even just being here. But I know that it's so much more than just being in Memphis. I know that um, life is hard. And last week we began to have an honest conversation together around pain and doubts, around disappointments in life, questions, around disillusionment, around frustrations, grief, and hurt. And we talked together. I talked personally from my own story. We talked together about what it's looked like for us as a church. And then I talked to you personally, trying to engage you in your story. We all need, if we're honest, we need to learn to walk with God in these places in life, in the places and spaces of our hearts, of our minds, of our stories, of our circumstances, of our relationships, of the events that have happened to us, events that have included us, maybe things that have done, been done by us, places and situations and events in our life that just hurt, past, present, and even preparing for the future. We need to learn this grace of lament. And we talked last week about how this brokenness is real, but we often just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and it was so interesting, last Sunday after we started, we, we kicked off the series, I had several folks uh, stop me at the door, I usually try to stand at the door and say hello or goodbye or both to, uh, to as many of you as I can, it's one of the great joys I have uh, on Sundays. But I also heard from several of y'all who reached out, texted or emailed over the past week, and, and, and there was a pretty consistent, it almost felt like there was a resonant like exhale, even just getting the opportunity to like talk about some of this uh, in this season. There were several of you who said to me, thank you so much. It's often we come into church and we feel like we have to be okay, but it's, 
so good to be able to journey into a season where I can come in and just say like, everything is not okay. It has not been okay perhaps in the past or it is not okay right now. And just to have space to open up and be honest like, yeah, like I'm hurting or yeah, I'm angry or yeah, I have big questions about like, where is God in the midst of all of this? Yeah, I have frustration with him. Yeah, I have disappointments. And just to learn to be honest, but the question we're asking in this series and the goodness of this book of Lamentations is that we're trying to wrestle with together as a church in this book and in this season about what do we do with the brokenness that we know is there in our stories and in our hearts? What do we do with it with God? How do we engage it with other people? And how do we even relate to ourselves in it? So that is the journey that we are in in this season. The question I left you with last week was this. Will we engage God in the brokenness or will we rage against it? And I hope that question has kind of lingered with you all week as you've wondered, will I open these spaces of my heart up to God? Will I take down the barrier? Will I let down my guard? And will I invite God into these places that hurt so deeply. That's the whole point of lament. So if you weren't here last week, the foundation we laid, and I promised you we're gonna be moving forward and we're gonna be starting into the actual book of Lamentations last week, I mean this week. Last week I told you we were kicking off our series and we didn't even start studying the book of Lamentations. (laughs) But today we actually are gonna be making progress in chapter one. Just as a reminder, what we said last week was lament. So this book, Lamentations, comes from the word lament. It's a a book of songs of lament, okay? So when we talk about lament, what we're talking about is a needed, and for many of us, an undiscovered grace. It's a way of bringing our hearts to God in the midst of our pain that is really needed. We need to learn this. And even if you have begun to learn it, you need to grow in this. This is a grace gift of God in our lives because life is not all smiles. Days are not all sunny. Seasons do not all feel like mountaintops. Situations do not all go perfectly. Relationships are not all healthy. Our history is not all pretty. We need to learn to walk with God and to experience his grace through this pathway of lament. And what I told you last week is lament is the pathway. It is the biblical pathway. Remember I told you over 65 of the Psalms, nearly half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Jesus himself lamented. You, you look at David or you look at Jeremiah who we'll be talking about more in this book. You, you look at uh, Moses, you look at the disciples. All of them are expressing to God in the Bible their pain. Lament is the pathway, the biblical prescription. God is saying to you, hey, you have pain, here's what you do. This is what you do, lament. It's the pathway that God has provided for us to engage him and to experience him in our grief. And we talked about last week how often it's in these places of suffering that provide the opportunity for us to experience the most of his intimacy. But it's learning lament that is the pathway for us to experience. What is lament? Remember what we said last week? It's the wailing of the heart before God. Another way to say it is it's how we bring our sorrows to God. That is what we're talking about in this series, learning to lament, being honest about our brokenness, bringing it to God, and then as the book will so wonderfully provide us a pathway for, in the midst of our honesty about brokenness and our turning to God, he turns toward us and provides for us hope, hope that is real, hope that is lasting, hope that sustains us and strengthens us and becomes our song even as we walk through the valley, we do not fear because he is with us. Brokenness and hope. So, everybody excited? That's a reminder of where we were? Everybody ready to move forward? I'm gonna need more excitement, all right? 
All right, yes, all right. This morning, Lamentations chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. I would like to ask that everyone who is not distracted by note-taking, and I know some of you really learn better when you don't take notes, but if that's not you, then I would love for you to take notes this morning because I really believe there's something God has for you today, and I believe that it's going to be difficult to retain and then to walk in these things unless we're actively engaged in learning, and I know we're a room full of learners. So this morning, the message title is Bringing Our Complaints. It's step one in learning how to lament, and it comes straight out of this passage, all right? Bringing Our Complaints, and as we journey through this book, I last week put up the general outline of the book. We're going to be walking week by week uh, through different chapters of the book. And today we're going to be in this first 11 verses of chapter one, bringing our complaints. Our main point this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. In lament, we bring our complaints to God, naming what is broken with honesty and specificity and turning them over to him. So this morning, what I hope you're gonna learn from the passage, not just because this is some clever outline that I've created, no, what I wanna do is walk you through the Bible. And I wanna show you this morning what it looks like to engage with God in the midst of suffering. And the first step is this, is to learn that in lament, you've got to bring bring your complaints to God. And you gotta do that Just being really specific and really honest with God. Naming to God what is broken. And you gotta turn that over to him. That's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. If you got your Bibles, starting in verse one of Lamentations, and I read from the ESV, and it will be on the screen, I would invite you to hear from the word of God. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces. She has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. When the people fell into the hand of the foe and there was none to help her. Her her foes gloated over her. They mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem sinned grievously Therefore, she became filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they've seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. 
Her uncleanness was in her skirt. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. Oh, Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all of her precious things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those whom you forbade to enter your congregation. All of her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. This is God's word. You can't help but read the passage and feel the wailing of the heart. Did you hear it? The weightiness of the text. Immediately you're brought into a situation that is like, whoa, this feels dark. This feels hard. This is pain. Indeed it is. I wanna give you all a little bit of background of the book for those who are learners in the room, and I think that's most of you, right? You're probably a little bit curious about where does this even come from and where does this fit in the biblical history, right? In the narrative of redemption that we know. A little background of the book so that we can even find uh, and discover what, what this is all about. I'll walk you through it, all right? Context of the book of Lamentations. First thing you need to know is this. Who is the author of the book? The author of the book, most likely, though it's not named in the book, it's what I convictionally believe, but you don't have to agree with me to be a Christian, all right? You can disagree about this and it's okay, but I'm trying to tell you as a student of the Bible, what I believe uh, is that Jeremiah wrote this book. Um, And in fact, it's why we placed it where we placed it in our current Bible, right behind Jeremiah, because it seems to fit the best. One of the reasons that I really believe it's the prophet Jeremiah is because of Jeremiah chapter 35, verse 25. You can write this reference down if you're curious about it. Uh, You can write it down and look at it later. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. They made these a rule in Israel, and behold, they are written in the laments. I believe the book that it's talking about, written in the laments, is the book of Lamentations that we have in our Bible. And so I would encourage you to recognize that it seems historically that as Jeremiah, uh, we know as a prophet who was, it was, was here for the same moments of history that the book of Lamentations is written about, uh, and, the, and, the, and the tone of Jeremiah is very similar to the tone of Lamentations, I believe that it's most likely that Jeremiah wrote the book. Now, the context of Jeremiah writing this book is the destruction of Jerusalem, all right? The destruction of Jerusalem. Um, You can tell as you go through the book that there's a historical event that has happened that's prompting this to be written. They're all going, are you kidding me? Can you believe this happened? And what they're talking about is can you believe that the city of Jerusalem has actually fallen? So a little bit of historical context for those who would like a reminder of the Old Testament. Um, We know that the nation of Israel divided into kind of two nations, all right, in Old Testament history. There was a northern kingdom that we call Israel And there was a southern kingdom that we call Judah. Now we know that all of this land originally was the land that God had promised to Israel. And God had walked by faith and God had given them this land. And God had established for them a city where the big star is down in the south part of Jerusalem. That would be the capital city, the city of David. It was established by King David. And it was there that the Ark of the Covenant was moved. It was there that the permanent tabernacle was built. It was there that the presence of God uh, was, was very manifest. And people would go, and this is where, it was a centerpiece of worship for the nation. It's where the kings lived, and the people would pilgrimage to worship God. And so much of God's promises were fulfilled in this space, and so much of his blessings were poured out in this space. 
Things were never better, though, than when David and his son Solomon were reigning. But after that, the nation was divided into the two kingdoms that you see here on the screen. Now, the northern kingdom was probably the saddest story of all. It was led by one wicked king after another. They ignored so many prophets going to them saying, hey, like what's happening is not what God wants. It's not what God desires. Turn back or else this is gonna be really bad. Again and again and again, they closed their hearts. They rebelled against the Lord. And the result of that was that God allowed the nation, the kingdom of Assyria to come and conquer the northern kingdom in 722 BC, all right? So the northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria in 722 BC. The southern kingdom, while initially you, you start looking at it and you go, well, maybe they, they're gonna keep their hearts with the Lord, they're not gonna follow the path of the northern kingdom. Eventually, though, what begins to happen is their hearts and their lives and their culture began getting filled with idolatry and injustice and immorality and corruption. And despite God's warnings to them, pleadings with them, please bring your heart back to me. Please don't continue down this path. The end of this is death. The end of this is destruction. Despite those warnings, they believed that they knew best, better than God, and they chose idols over the Lord himself. And over a three-year period, God allowed the kingdom of Babylon to come and siege the city of Jerusalem to siege the southern kingdom. And it happened over years and people eventually starved to death. It was horrific. Eventually the city wall was able to be breached and the Babylonian army, this place that God had given, the fulfillment of promise, the place of blessing, the place of his very presence where the ark was, where the temple was, where the centerpiece of worship was, the, the Babylonian army, these idolatrous people came in and ransacked the capital. They set the city on fire. They burned down the temple. They tore down the walls that surrounded the city. Everything of value to Israel and these incredibly important, viable things to the people of God and the history of what God had done in their midst were taken back to Babylon. And those who survived became exiles and they became slaves, leaving behind the temple and the city and the nation in ruins, smoldering in fire. This is the circumstance of what was going on as the book of Lamentations opens. So this means we can date the book, all right? So if you're curious about when the book was written, it means that we can date the book somewhere between 586 and 538 BC. Somewhere between, it had to happen after the destruction of Jerusalem and probably before Jeremiah died, right? So we have some date range of when this happened, when this book was written. Now the theme of the book is probably obvious to you by the fact that we're studying brokenness and hope and calling the series that. The theme of the book is suffering. There's two main books, really three, yeah, two main books in the Bible that deal with suffering primarily. One is Job and the other is Lamentations. The difference of Job and Lamentations is Job is primarily dealing with a personal suffering, like one person and his suffering where Lamentations is dealing with a corporate suffering. What they're going through is something they're going through together. It's a pain that's felt among them all. But the theme of the book is certainly suffering and how to relate to God in it. And the genre of the book is poetry, all right? Now, one of the interesting things about the book, it's beautiful poetry, but I wanna tell you something that you can't catch in English. You ready for something cool? Each chapter of the book, one, two, three, and four, with the exception of five, but chapters one, two, three, and four are written in an acrostic. The first of each of the verses or lines, it goes in the Hebrew alphabet. So imagine writing A to Z in English and then creating a poem. The first line starts with A, the next one with B, the next one with C. It is written that way in Hebrew. It's beautiful. So the 
the, the whole book is written in this poetic form very intentionally. And I believe some of the, the fact that they're going through every single Hebrew consonant is reflective of the fact that they're trying to help us see the comprehensive and total nature of the suffering that they're enduring. The focus of the book is lament toward God. The book of Lamentations, I think, is probably the most intense and it's the most comprehensive, like, it's almost like a song in a minor key. It is, it's a wailing of the heart. It complains and it weeps and it struggles and it hopes and it remembers and it cleans. It reminds us of, of the brokenness that's woven into the fabric of the world and it awakens us to the brokenness in our own lives and in our own hearts. And the, the book is such a gift because really it can be a teacher. Verse nine that we read, if you look at your Bibles, I, I want you to point, I wanna point your attention to something that verse nine here says, Oh Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. This is really one of the core wailings of the heart of the book. God, I'm hurting. God, would you see that I'm hurting? And God, it feels like, one of the core themes of the book is that it feels like the enemy has triumphed. It feels like in this moment, God, that you're not near. It feels like the enemy has triumphed over me. One of the main ways that you could understand the theme of the book is just the question, how? How? This question actually leads off three of the chapters of the book. Chapter one, verse one, chapter two, verse one, and chapter four, verse one. And in fact, in the Hebrew, teach you another little interesting thing for those who are learners, curious, the Hebrew name of the book is not Lamentations, it's actually How. The name of the book is How. So if you want to understand the heart of this book, and I'm so grateful that God gives us this book because it invites us to engage in our question. God, how? How could you, God? How could this happen, God? How in the world am I supposed to make sense of this, God? God, how horrible I feel. God, how? How? That's the name of the book. It's how. And it invites us to do exactly what we're gonna be looking at today in these first 11 verses, to bring our complaints to him. How? There's two main ways that I want you to see an invitation this morning. There's two main points to the message, all right? We've already looked at the main point, but there's two things that I want you to learn today about lament and about how to bring your complaint to God. Number one is this. In lament, we bring our feelings to God. In lament, we bring our feelings to God. Our honest feelings, feelings of hurt, feelings of hardship, feelings of abandonment, feelings of pain, feelings of anger, feelings of distrust, feelings of doubt, feelings of confusion, feelings of emptiness. We bring whatever, whatever you're going through, okay? This is what you have to learn about if you wanna engage God about past hurt, you've got to bring feelings about that to him. If you wanna engage God in present hurt and suffering, you've got to learn to bring your feelings about that to him. And in the future, as you're preparing for future suffering, you've got to, to learn this. If you're going to engage God and experience God, you've got to learn to bring your feelings to him. Here's why. Because healing, friends, takes place at the level of our emotions. Healing has its best opportunity to happen when we bring our emotions to God. And I know that we got a lot of thinking people here some of us, we get very uncomfortable with feelings. But one of the things you've got to learn to do is to, be, to open yourself up and honestly admit to God and to others and to yourself how you feel. 
One of the things I love about these first 11 verses is, is that God is actually using this book to teach us about how to bring complaint and how to name our feelings. Let's look at how the prophet describes his own situation and describes it through feelings. We're gonna make a list, bringing complaint, naming feelings. The first thing that he names is how he feels like he's gone from full to empty. Verse one, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who is great among the nations. He's saying, at one time we were many. The city was full and, and now it's desolate. At one time it, it felt like we, we were experiencing this greatness and now it just feels like we are, we are a lonely, see the feelings he's expressing, I feel lonely, I feel like a widow. I feel like, God, I have gone from fullness and now, God, I sit alone in emptiness. And God, this hurts. At one time, God, it, it felt like my cup was overflowing and now, God, it just feels so dry. At one time, I felt surrounded by companions and now it feels, God, I feel so alone. Naming, feeling with specificity. Secondly, he says, not only do I feel empty, but God, I feel oppressed. It feels like, God, I've moved from freedom to oppression. The prophet on behalf of the people says in verse one at the end, she who is a princess among the provinces has now become a slave. A city that had dominion is now in subjection. A people who were greatly loved by, by many, who had people coming to them and, and, and honoring them is now been carted off in shackles and now serving at the feet of another. He's saying, at one time I felt so, I just, I just felt so free. Like at one time, like there, 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 there wasn't uh, anything, God, that was like seeming to create bondage in my life. God, at one time, not only were we full, but we were free. And God, now, God, now it just, it just feels like I'm just stuck. It feels like I, we've been taken captive, and God, there's, it seems like there's no hope in sight. God, we've become a slave. I feel oppressed, God. Some of us have experienced this, perhaps, as a result of injury, brokenness, hurt. We, we know what it's like to move from a place of freedom to a place of oppression. Whether it's in your mind or in your heart, circumstances of your life, and Lamentations is inviting us to be specific about how that feels. He says, thirdly, not only do I feel empty and do I feel oppressed, but, but, but God, we feel sad. Verse two, she weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They've, they've become her enemies. Saying, God, I've moved from joy to sadness. Like every day, God, like, like we, we used to just dance in the streets in our freedom. All we felt, God, was just happiness overflowing in our heart. And God, now I'm like up all night long. I'm like waking up at 1 a.m. and I'm just crying. She weeps bitterly in the night. You ever had seasons I know I have, where things are so hard that all you, all you can kind of do is just cry, just like 
the only prayers you can really offer are just your tears. Where you're just in the midst of the night are, are, are waking up and you're just sad and tears are on your cheeks and it says among all her lovers he has none to, to comfort her. Just overwhelming sadness. The book of Lamentations is inviting us to be honest and specific about times where you just are overwhelmed and you're just sad. Fourth, he says, not only do we feel empty and oppressed and sad, but he admits to God, God, it, it feels like we've moved from peace to restlessness. It feels like we've moved from peace to restlessness. If you look at verse three, he says, Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude, and she dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. You ever had seasons like Jeremiah's describing where he's like, hey, like, used to be that I, I, I could find space and place in life where I could like rest, where I could feel peace, but God, right now, like there's no place where I like feel that all is well. There's like a constant churning of my mind and a constant churning of my heart. God, I cannot get good rest. Jeremiah's being honest and saying, God, I'm anxious and we don't have rest. In verse five, if you look at your scripture, her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper. And then at the end of verse five, her children have gone away like captives before the foe. It's this idea of like the, the walls of safety whether they were just perceived walls of safety or actual walls of safety, like the walls of safety in my life have been broken down. I've seen this happen a lot in our city. We had, we've had members of our church in recent weeks whose homes have been invaded, whose cars have been broken into, whose cars have been taken from them. And when that begins to happen to you, just a simple circumstance like that, there's a, there's a loss there, a loss of a sense of safety, isn't there? And that's an actual safety. But sometimes it's just a perception of safety where circumstances just come and just break in and suddenly what, what felt very peaceable, what felt very safe is now not. And there's anxiety has replaced peace and restlessness has replaced rest. The book of Lamentations is inviting us to be honest and specific about feelings that we have in the midst of our pain. Fifth, not only do I feel empty and oppressed, God, not only do I feel sad and restless, God, but God, I also feel defeated. From success to defeat, that's the next feeling that he expresses. Verse three, verse five, verse seven. If you look at the end of verse three, her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Wait, what? Like, this is, this is the people of God. God had given them victory. And now, they've been defeated. Verse five, her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper. Her children gone away. Captives before the foe. And then in verse seven, the end of verse seven, if you look at your Bible, when her people fell into the hand of the foe and there were none to help her, her foes gloated over her and they mocked at her downfall. Jeremiah has been honest about something that many of us have experienced in the midst of pain. And that's moments where you go, for crying out loud, it looks like the enemy won. Here I am, trusting God. And for the life of me, it just looks like I'm donezo. I'm in the losing end of this thing. Other people have triumphed over me. This circumstance has gotten the best of me. This what I'm going through, it seems like it's got the last word. It feels like my enemies are gloating over me. The book of Lamentations invites us to be honest and specific about our feelings of emptiness and oppression and sadness and restlessness and defeat and even shame. 
And shame is a real emotion that many of us feel in the aftermath or in the midst of suffering. Last but not least, well, not last but not least, I just named Shane. I'm not gonna spend more time on that. That was, <laughs> that was the next to the last one. From honor to shame, all right? Verses eight and nine. Those who honor her despise her. They've seen her nakedness. She turns her face away. She feels unclean. Her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. Many of us in the midst or in the aftermath of suffering have felt shame. And the book of Lamentations invites you to be honest and specific about that. But last on this list of being honest about our feelings is moving from abundance to need. Moving from abundance to need. And I see this in verse 11. The scripture says, all of her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. We're saying, God, like, at one time, like, it felt, everything was good. Like, I had everything I needed. But God, right now, like, I feel desperate, God. I, I, I go to the pantry and it, it looks more empty than full, God. I wake up every day, God, and it just feels like I'm lacking the resources that are needed. God, I feel needy. The book of Lamentations invites us to be honest and specific about our feelings. So this first principle is this. In lament, we bring our feelings to God. And the question I would ask you is this, because you're going to have homework this week after today's sermon, okay? What are your feelings? What are, whether it's as you reflect on engaging God about something in the past or something today in the present or something perhaps to come, where, what are the honest emotions, the honest emotions, I'm not looking for the church answers, but what are the honest emotions of your heart? As you engage in some of these broken places and spaces, these dark corners of our lives, of our stories, of our hurt, of our hearts, where are, where are your honest emotions? And in lament, what you're invited to do is to bring your honest emotions and specific emotions to God. That's what Jeremiah is doing. And that's what you need to do if you want to experience God and his grace in the midst of your suffering. So that's point one, all right? Point two is this. As we look at bringing our complaints to God and we look at what it looks like to bring our complaints, to name what is broken with honesty and specificity, point two is this, and then we'll be done toward a conclusion. You ready? Point two is this, in lament, not only do we name our feelings to God, and we bring them to God, but we bring our losses to God. We bring our losses to God. With honesty and specificity, now here's why. Because it's important, friends, that we sort out the facts of our actual story so that we might learn to be honest about what has caused us pain. Uh, one of the, uh, there, there's a guy that I uh, am quite fond of who lives in a Christian counseling space and one of the things that he talks about frequently is the importance of being able to tell your, your like to be able to give your own autobiography. That until you can give your own autobiography, you really are not gonna experience wholeness. It's so essential for us to learn to actually bring our actual story to God, to engage the fullness of what has actually happened to us, who we are and how we got here to engage it in full and in specificity so that we can name the specific places of our pain to God and then move toward him for hope and healing. And you see this 
in Lamentations chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, a couple of things that he names as losses. First, he describes how rhythms of life are not the same. Rhythms of life. In verse 4, he says, the roads to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. What he's saying is before the, before the event, there were these rhythms that we all enjoy. We went with singing and dancing to the temple. These rhythms of, that marked our life and our year. And now that this has happened, the roads are desolate. He's saying in poetic form, my life rhythms have changed. It's not like Anna and Elsa goes, some things never change. And then he's going, that's the song I used to sing, but now I've grown up a bit. And I've learned that life is hard and pain is real and trauma happens. And some things in life do change. And I've lost the rhythms that I once had and it's hard. Secondly, he describes how people are not the same. People around him are not the same. Verse four and verse 11, he talks about how the gates are desolate in verse four and how the priests groan. He says corporate suffering. He's going, I'm looking around at what's happened and I'm like, they're different. Like they used to be happy. They, they used to meet me at the door with a smile and I'm looking at their face and I'm like, that, they're not, this, something has shifted. He describes in verse 11, all her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. This is an honest expression of how he's looking out at the community. He's going, this community is different. Something has shifted here. And I need to name that as something that is lost because as I'm relating to God, I've got to be honest. That this is hard to see. People who once had more than they needed, now I'm looking at them and I'm seeing their bodies wasting away. They're hungry. They're famished. Something is different. Third, he says places are not the same. The sense of places are not the same. In verse 10, Jeremiah says, for he is, she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those who you forbade to enter your congregation. I don't know if you've ever walked through trauma yourself or if you walk with somebody else who's been through trauma, but when you go through trauma in a specific place, often that physical place feels different from that point forward. And there is a lament needed in that. God, now when I walk in the room, I feel this. Or God, now when I'm driving by that street, I don't even want to go down it anymore because of the memories that are hurting there. God, something happened in this sacred space of the sanctuary. Enemies went in and did something they ought not to do, God. That hurts. It feels like a loss and I need to grieve. Fourth, pleasant things in life are not the same. Verse 10, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all of her precious things. The enemy has like put his hands on things that I consider valuable. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but I can guarantee you that if you're honest this morning and you've been through suffering and been through pain, you know what this feels like. You know what it feels like to have things that are precious to you, that are important to you, that are priorities to you, that are valuable to you, and because of what has happened, it feels like the enemy has just dirtied it all up. Or it feels like it's been taken from you. Pleasant things that I once enjoyed do not feel as pleasant anymore. Fifth, my reputation is not the same. Verse seven, he says, her foes gloated over her and they mocked at her downfall. I've walked with enough folks and I myself have walked through enough suffering to know that sometimes when you go through suffering, people treat you differently. Your life becomes marked by the pain that you have endured. And people forever relate to you on the basis of what you have gone through. We see this again and again, especially with our families that have been suffered through seasons where their child has had cancer here at St. Jude. And forever, everybody in their life relates to them differently because of what they've endured. Reputationally, things change, and it's something that we need to bring to God and lament with specificity and with honesty. 
Next, protections are not the same. This relates to the feeling expressed earlier, the sense of loss of peace and safety. But verse two, among all her lovers, there's none to comfort her. Her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They've become her enemies. Look, suffering has changed my sense of friend group, my sense of peace and and protection, even in my relationships. Verse seven, he says, when people fell into the hand of the foe, there was none to help her. There's a loss of a sense of safety here. In verse nine, therefore her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. Loss of protection. And last but not least, and this invites perhaps the greatest need for honesty of them all, is this. I myself am not the same. Verse seven, Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all of the precious things that were hers from days of old. In other words, you've got a picture of Jeremiah and the people of God looking back at themselves going, you remember us back then? We're different now. In the midst of affliction, we're looking back at a previous version of ourselves, and we're wondering, how did we get here? And it's something to lament with honesty and specificity, and many of us know this in our own stories, that we feel different. In lament, we name our losses to God, and we bring them to God. And the question is, what are yours? If you had to name your losses, how would you name them? And again, this is part of your homework, and I'm about to give you the challenge, and then we're going to close. What are your feelings, and what are your losses? Our main point this morning is this. In lament, we bring our complaints to God. Now, here's why I'm asking, what are your feelings, and what are your losses? Because all of this finds its conclusion. Hear me out in this. You've got to learn to name your feelings Name your losses with honesty and specificity. But then there's a direction that you've got to go. And the direction you've got to go is to God. In fact, the first step of lament is learning to turn to God. You've just got to learn to go to God. That's why verse nine, I told you, is so critical. Oh Lord, here is my affliction. In other words, here's where I'm feeling. Here's where I've experienced loss. God, here I am. Oh Lord, behold my affliction. And lament, we bring our feelings to God. And in lament, we bring our losses to God. We name what is broken in honesty and specificity and we turn them over to him. Your homework this week is I want you to begin to journey with God by writing a lament. Some of you will work this out in your community groups. Some of you, it might just be a personal exercise, but you need this week to learn to begin a journey of lamenting. And this week, while we have not gone all the whole series and the whole book, and you're not, you haven't learned all the different parts of lament, you have learned this week the single central part of every lament in the Bible. In fact, what I've just taught you this week about bringing a complaint is the only thing that unites all of the laments of Scripture. In the Bible, there's typically seven parts to any of the laments. We'll go through these more as the series unfolds, but the only part that unites every single lament in the Bible is a complaint. It's the only thing. Turning to God with a complaint. And so this week, in your homework, in your personal time, and in your groups for processing, I want you to learn to lament by turning to God with your honest and specific feelings and your honest and specific named losses. And we do that 
because healing takes place at the level of emotions. So it's important for us to name them. And we do that because it's important to sort out the facts of our story so that we might learn to be honest about what has caused us pain. I am asking you today, what are your emotions as it relates to what you've experienced or are experiencing and what are your losses? And here's how you write a lament. You just say, God, I feel God feels like I have lost and you just, you just let it all out. But you do that toward God. You do that in his presence. And you do that with the intention to turn it over to him. The reason we do it it's because it's not, just, it's not just like about the emotions and it's not just about the losses themselves. Here, here's the point of all of it. In lament, you're learning to bring your honest self, your very self to God. And so part of bringing ourself is bringing all of this that we felt and all of this that we've lost. And remembering what Lamentations 3 teaches us. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it, and I'm bowed down within me. But God, this I call to mind and have hope. This steadfast love of you, God, never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. The soul who seeks him, it's good that I should wait quietly on the Lord for the salvation of the Lord. In other words, you're saying to God, God, I know that you're there and I know that you hear me and I know that you care. So God, I'm coming with my honest self and I'm just gonna lay it all before you. I'm going to bring myself to you. I hear your invitation, Jesus. I know you love me, you came for me, you live for me for my righteousness, you died for my forgiveness, you rose again that I might have new life. You, Jesus, live today and you are my living hope. Jesus, I know you invite me. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So God, I'm coming today, my honest self, with my emotions and my name losses because God, I need Father, thank you for this word, and I pray, God, that as we engage you, Lord, in these places and spaces of our hearts and lives, Lord, as we learn these things, Lord, that you would pour out blessing upon us. Thank you for your invitation for us to come. Church family, as we continue in a posture of prayer, I'm gonna invite many prayer counselors to the front some of our pastoral team and our women's advisory team, some of our prayer counseling volunteers. And we're just gonna move into a, a space where we can together just pour out our hearts before the Lord. I know that there are many today who as you've heard the word proclaim, maybe God has touched your heart and it's bringing up emotions or it's bringing up things you've lost and these things are difficult. And there, there may just be some movement needed where you just need to move forward towards someone who is trusted here and just pray with them and just say, I, I just need prayer. I feel like God is inviting me to be really poured out, but this is hard and I just need prayer that I could open myself to him and I could come to him in this way. So please feel free. This is a ministry place. The, the church should be known as a house of prayer for all people. So this is a time for us to seek the Lord together. There's no one that is so good that you don't need somebody else to pray with you. So just come, come pray at the altar, come pray with someone else, just come. This is a time for us just to, just to say, God, I need to be more engaged with you in these places and spaces. So let's just use this time as we sing this song and we hear the invitation of the Father's love to just respond to him with a yes just come to him with heart or maybe it's movement this morning so let's just respond to him let's stand as we do and uh, let's just allow God to minister to us 
Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.